0: Board Round Session Number 4. The moment you step foot on campus as a medical student, you are gearing up for one of the biggest tests you'll ever have to take USMLE Step 1 or Comlex Level 1. The medical school headquarters and Board Vitals are going to help you prepare for your first board exam with questions, pearls of information, and guidance to make sure you have what it takes to score high and match into your specialty of choice. A welcome back to Board Rounds. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. I'm excited to continue with this new podcast series between myself, Ryan, from Medical School Headquarters of MedEd Media, and Dr. Andrea Paul of Board Vitals. If you're interested in looking more into Board Vitals, go to boardvitals.com. Check out their QBanks that they have for Step 1 and Level 1 as well as the QBanks for the different shelf exams that you'll take as you go through your third and fourth years. So not only do they have the step one and level one complex QBanks, but all of the shelf exams as you continue to move forward through your medical education. This week, we get to f- dive in and talk all about the mistakes that students make when preparing for step one and level one. Andrea, back for some more board rounds. How are you today?
1: I'm well. How are you?
0: I am excited to talk about mistakes. I think we as humans, we don't we don't encourage mistakes enough. And it sounds weird to say encourage mistakes, but that's what that's how we learn, right?
1: Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And listening to you know, other people talk about mis- their mistakes. Yeah,
0: their mistakes, right? That's that's what I was going to next is we're going to cover a whole bunch of mistakes, hopefully today, so that uh, you don't make those same mistakes. Uh, you're listening to this early enough in your step one or level one journey that you don't make these mistakes as well. So last episode, we talked a lot about how to prepare and how to set yourself up for success. In this episode, we'll jump into some of the biggest mistakes that we see students making when it comes to preparing for step one level one that could ultimately derail their choice of residency?
1: Definitely. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there are obviously multiple pitfalls when you're studying for any test, especially, you know, when you're looking at something as high as stakes as this. So I, you know, there's definitely more than we have time to talk about, but there's some really common and really impactful ones that we can talk about.
0: So what's, let's start off with the biggest mistake that you see students are making when it comes to preparing for step one, level one.
1: So, you know, I don't know that one is the biggest necessarily, but probably some apply to some people more than others, or they, you might recognize something in here that's like, oh, that's, this is something I do that I need to kind of work on. I think one of them is just not, not giving it your full attention, not recognizing when your attention is somewhere else. Um And then ending up missing something that you really need to learn. And so I think, you know, if you find yourself kind of, as we all do, your mind starts to trail off that that's a signal that you you need to take a rest or take a break or kind of reset. Um So if you feel like your focus is kind of faltering, instead of just pushing through and continuing, you may have missed who knows how many, you know, important points, just get up, take a stretch, take a minute, get some water, whatever you need to do to come back in and... and be fully focused again so it's you know if you're continuing to kind of half-heartedly study you're just wasting your time and so i think that's we talked about that before too that mm-hmm. the length of time isn't necessarily reflecting the quality of the time that you're studying
0: yeah effective efficient studying is so much better and i think we we have this mindset i don't know if it's a human thing or a, a u.s thing that the more we the more we do the better it is and so we we're, we're not going to sleep. We're going to push through. We're going to skip our meals. Uh, we're not going to exercise so that we can sit on our, our, our butt and do these questions. But as you said, when when your mind starts wandering, then is it really helpful? And mm-hmm. we really need to accept the mindset that slowing down will, will help in the long run. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that feeds right into another uh, common mistake I think people make, which is studying for too long and not just as far as hours in the day, but for too many days in a row. And so, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of data out there that looks at what people scored on the USMLE or COMLEX and how many days they, or hours per day they studied. And interestingly, you know, once people went beyond 35 days, the scores actually started to go down and there are different you know, there's different information suggesting that that either relates to maybe inefficient studying or maybe fewer hours per day. But there's definitely a strong correlation that you can study for too long. And you only have so much stamina in a day to sit down and do these. I mean, these questions are intense and require a lot of thought. And so, you only have so much bandwidth to to do that per day. And so, you know, I think, You know, take the time you need. Study really effectively for those fewer hours. But you know, dragging out the day and staying up all night is is only going to hurt you.
0: Do you guys recommend any sort of days or hours per day, or do you just leave it up to the student to do what they need to do?
1: So, I mean, it's it does vary based on you know what you need to do for your own schedule. Our recommendation is to do about twenty to twenty-five days with about 8 to 10 hours a day of studying. All the data shows that below this and above this the scores kind of tail off, and so that's usually the recommendation, but for some people they need, you know, 14 days, 20 days, you know, it it just varies depending on how your scores are looking. And so if you if you start studying and you're already, you know, scoring in the, you know, high range of of your goal, then you probably don't need to spend a whole month you know, rehashing everything again. And in fact, you may hurt yourself doing so. And so I think recognizing you know, where, you're, where you're at at your starting point, if that makes sense. And then kind of making a plan for length of study based on that, it's probably a good idea.
0: And this is maybe more appropriate for our last episode about preparation. But when you say eight to 10 hours in a day, what does that look like? Is it eight to 10 hours of sitting in a bank? Is that content review? Is it some combination of both?
1: I think it, it evolves from, you know, your day one of studying through, you know, twenty twenty fifth 25th day of studying. So there's a lot of kind of information and knowledge gathering that happens in the first while where you're catching up and you're bringing yourself up to where you need to be. And then after that, it's just assessing and finding, you know, where the gaps may be and kind of brushing up on those for like the next half of your study period.
0: Okay. What's another big mistake that you see students making?
1: You know, I think a lot of times they're going through content as quickly as they can to try and absorb as much as they can, but they're not keeping track of why they're getting things wrong or what they're missing. And so I think I mentioned before, having a spreadsheet or even a notepad beside you where you keep a list of, oh, I missed this because of this and why. So is it an error? Did you misread the question? Was there a way that question was worded that tricked you? So maybe you need to maybe need to pay more attention to questions that are worded in that way, or is it some specific piece of knowledge that you missed? And as you kind of go through that list at the end of each day, or maybe at the end of the week, you go through the list for that week, you'll really start to see patterns. And I think maybe you'll say, Oh, these third order type questions are the ones that trip me up every time. And so how can I think about them in a way that'll, you know, allow me to overcome that? And so I think, you know, just keeping really good track and analyzing your own, you know, how your own mind is working and, and answering these questions, right or wrong, is really important.
0: Yeah, we, we talked about that last time. Proper review is is huge for everything going through this process. Back for the MCAT as well, um, mm-hmm. just understanding, not just getting through as much content as you can, questions as you can, but understanding exactly what you're doing along the way. Now, technology obviously is at the core of what Board Vitals does in, in helping students Go through these questions. How much of that feedback is built into board vitals, and if it's not, is that something that you guys are looking to do?
1: So, as far as you know, we we definitely provide feedback as far as the topic or the category, so you can see all of your data as far as you know in cardiovascular, you're scoring this percentage versus maybe in respiratory or other systems. Um, so you can definitely see all of that data and see where you may be stronger or weaker as far as the actual question format or saying, okay, well, I tend to, you know, make a note if you tend to answer a certain wording or certain formats of questions, maybe vignette type questions versus a you know, more straightforward question. That's data we don't necessarily have. So that's something you want to kind of keep track of and and see if there's a question type or a format that really tends to trip you up.
0: What other mistakes are students making?
1: I think, uh, I mean, the pressure is not a, an insignificant amount of pressure. And I think <laughs>
0: it's just the rest of their life and their residency <laughs> choice, the specialty that they've been dreaming about I their know. whole life.
1: <laughs> I know. And I think it's different than, you know, there's competition and just, you know, probably most of us had in, you know, high school and under, undergraduate experience where you just, you just want to, you know, you want to make that dean's list or you're sort of competitive amongst each other. But this is different. This is like an individual, you know, goal and, something that is going to affect you know, your life. And what I think just people need to keep in perspective is that there are, you don't just have one option. Um, you may really want to do dermatology, but you very well may be just as happy doing something else or might find a way to integrate something dermatology related into a different area. And so it's not the be all and end all of life want to stay motivated you don't want to push yourself to the point that your nerves overpower your instincts on exam day and so we definitely see hear that a lot people who were scoring so so super high on their question makes they get to exam day and the pressure is just so intense that they you know they just had burnt themselves out and mm-hmm. um ended up not scoring near what um they had been when preparing so i think mm-hmm. you know personally in, my, in my, with myself and my family we do a lot of you know mindfulness and, you know, breathe, do a lot of breathing exercises. And I find it helps so much for someone who does have that pressure on themselves to say, okay, reset, it's time to just breathe, collect yourself and, you know, put into perspective that, I mean, just getting to medical school is such an accomplishment and whatever you do from, from there forth, I mean, it's, you know, it's exam day and it's just do the best you can. And, you know, it's going to be okay. (laughs) Just be confident in what you've done to prepare and get to that point.
0: And well, I think we'll dive into this more in the next episode, but I wanted to bring it up now, a student who may not understand the differences with what the board exams are. You mentioned, right, you go into test day and you don't score as well as you want to, right? The pre-med or new medical student who may be listening to this to to get a, a head start we'll think, well, that's fine. Just like the MCAT, you just take it again, right? And get a, get a higher score. But it's not like that for the board exams, right?
1: No. So unless you, I mean, unless you fail, then you get another um, opportunity to take the exam. Um, your score is your score. And and that's, you know, that only adds to uh, the pressure.
0: <laughs> One and done. Yeah.
1: Why do you think yeah. they,
0: they don't allow retests like they do for the MCAT? I
1: think it would just, you know, I think there are a lot of reasons. I think first it would, we would have such a a great number of students retaking, um, because uh, let's be honest, these are all (laughs) highly motivated type A people. Nothing's ever going to be, nothing's ever going to be good enough. And there would just be this perpetual, um, inflation of scores. Um, and also I think their database of questions while it is vast, isn't, you know, endless. And so, you know, you, you, I'm sure, would see some things uh, repeated and it would give people an unfair The validity is not
0: there, yeah. Yeah. And time constraints, right? Med students have other things to do, whereas as a pre-med, you can delay going to medical school to study and and prepare as much as you need to. Exactly. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, Yeah, and and a a huge stress, right? To know that I only have one chance, uh, obviously, unless you fail to do it. I wonder if that's a strategy that some students use, right? For the MCAT, you can void it at the end of the test I wonder if some students like halfway through, they're like, I am feeling terrible. I'm doing terrible. I'm just going to bomb the rest of this test. So I fail it and come back another day.
1: So uh, it's interesting. Someone had asked us, is is it a good strategy to try to take the test, take the step one, but purposely fail it so Mm -hmm. you can go in and get a strong score? But, um, you know, unfortunately, the rates for residency matching for people who fail on their first attempt is quite low. Mm. And so, no matter what you get on that second attempt, it may not outweigh that failure. So, you know, it's always best to do the best you can.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, that's another mistake. Don't fail on purpose. No. no.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. What, uh, what other mistakes are you seeing?
1: You know, I think overall, people are maybe spending too much time studying in ways that aren't effective for them. For most people. Sitting and reading an entire like Harrison's textbook or what anatomy textbook is not going to be effective. You're you're not looking at high yield information. You're gonna end up focusing on small minutiae that are not highly tested. And so I would say not to waste time on the textbooks that you used in those first two years of school, those are not geared toward this test. Tons of people still use those to prepare and it's you know, it's never yielded. You know, high scores in anyone we've spoken to. And also we, we go back and interview a lot of students after they've taken the test to say, you know, what did you use and, do, and did you find it helpful or did you find it correlated to your test? And the most common thing we hear is, I read this and this textbook and I wish I hadn't. You know, I wish I hadn't spent time on that pathology textbook or or whatever it might be because those are not clinically... Those are basic science textbooks meant to get you through that course and that's that's the purpose of the school component, but not the purpose of this board exam. And so you definitely want to focus on things that are meant for preparing for this test and then also do it in the way that's highest yield for you.
0: Does board vitals include all of that content review that is in a clinical Written in a clinical way, or are there books or resources that you guys recommend to complement the Q banks and, and everything else that you guys have?
1: So I think there. I mean, there's always more information, so you can always dig deeper on any topic. Our question explanations cover everything you need to know to answer that question, along with some surrounding information based on you know what the incorrect answer choices were and such. We don't want to be the, you know, fire hose. (laughs) So we don't want to provide information that's extraneous or that takes you too far off topic of that question. Um, Our focus is to use the feedback we get from students who have taken the exam to create really, you know, narrowly focused, high yield content. And so if you want to read more on any specific topic, we always include links to journal articles or, or other resources where you can read more if you want to but we don't necessarily recommend doing so. We you know all the feedback we've gotten is we're sort of a one-stop shop in that we you kind of house all the high yield material that you need um and you shouldn't really necessarily need to get additional content unless you you know are someone who just wants has more time or or wants to you know go through something a little bit different.
0: <laughs> someone who wants let's be honest a lot of students out there want more. They all always want more. Yes, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. And, and that's how, I mean, going back to my, my preparation, I, I like talking about my mistake. Obviously, I, I wanted to go into orthopedics, high, uh, highly competitive specialty. You need a good step one score. I was very naive to that fact. And again, I didn't study the way that I best studied because I was hanging out with Allison, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, and just studied the way she studied. And then I didn't do well on step one. I think I got a 216, so not, not very well at all for ortho. And, and then for step two, I changed the way that I studied for that. I didn't really change the way I studied in residency or not residency during my clinical rotations or anything like that. But I did a lot more content review because that's I was missing that foundation from step one. And did much better with step two, as, as most students do. But it was much better for me because I knew I was self-aware enough that I knew that I was missing a lot of that content. And so just as you go through this process, you need to be self-aware where you stand. Are you solid enough with your foundation? And we talked earlier about really one of the best predictors is doing well in your classes, right? Your, your preclinical classes. Did you do well in those? Did you struggle in those? Do you have that foundation to jump in and do questions and and review in that way, or do you need something a little bit more substantial to get you up to a level to be prepared to do those?
1: Yeah, and obviously, just keeping some realistic perspective on if you didn't score, you know, not everyone's a great test taker or, or studier, and so if you didn't do well, maybe in your you know preclinical. Classes, maybe keeping a more realistic goal for a step one, you're not going to go from someone who barely passed, you know, all your basic science classes to getting the highest score in your class on USMLE. It's just almost impossible. <laughs> and so, and so just, you know, being really realistic about it and, and not setting goals that are so far outside that you'll only end up disappointed. Um, and so I think that's, you know, and not everyone can do a dermatology residency. So that's just realistic. And, and so I think you know, it's tough and it, it's, especially for highly competitive people, it's tough to accept that maybe you can't do, you know, whatever the most competitive thing is to do, but not everyone wants to do that. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Are there any other mistakes that you see students making?
1: No, I think, you know, I think those are, those are the biggest ones. And I think one thing you mentioned, I'll just mention briefly is that don't look at what other people are doing. So trying to imitate or replicate, wait, maybe what, you know, your friend or your significant other, or, you know, whoever that kid that does have the highest scores in your med school class is doing, that's not necessarily going to work for you. And so you need to, you know, by, by your second year of med school, you should kind of know what works and, and what doesn't for you and do that. Don't try and do something completely different now for this test. So stick to what's worked for you in the past.
0: All right. So there you have it again mistakes that students make. Hopefully, as we talked about in the very beginning, hopefully you learn from these common mistakes that students make and you won't make them along the way. I hope you have a great week. Don't forget, subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time.